0: talk is about to begin hey 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 come on in welcome back to your Thursday Buckeye talk from cleveland.com it's Doug LaMaurice with a special guest Ralph Russo who I love sitting next to in the Ohio State Press Box the AP National College Football writer he comes to Columbus for the big games he's not coming to Columbus this fall because there are no games in Columbus this fall but I want Ralph on because I want a view on the Big Ten from a national perspective, and, and Ralph can help us understand what is going on in the rest of college football. So, Ralph Russo, thanks so much for your time.
1: Thank you very much, Doug. I, uh, I am still looking forward to seeing you sometime in the and hopefully not too distant future. Maybe it will be in the winter. Who knows? Maybe it yeah. will be in Indianapolis in a dome somewhere. We could have some historic things on our hands, and
0: I am I am continuing to be optimistic about a January plan, which our listeners here on Buckeye Talk know. Um, I want to get into that with you, but I want to start nationally first because for Ohio State fans, it feels like to me that I, my opinion from what I hear from Ohio State fans, they're very frustrated that the Big Ten is not playing, and I think people feel like and, – and everybody else is just rolling along. The SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, they are just – rolling towards this fall season, but yet I see things, we all see things like lots of campus positives at North Carolina or at Notre Dame. We see NC State pausing. We do see some things along the way on the the, the teams, the leagues, the three leagues of the Power Five that are planning to play in the fall, Ralph. As you observe that nationally, does it feel like all systems go or does it feel like there are still some hurdles and bumps along the way that could either slow them down or maybe even stop them either before they start a season or during that season.
1: Yeah. My sense is at this point, we're going to start um, especially, you know, listen, ESPN literally just announced a bunch of games that they're going to televise on Labor Day weekend. Now, none of those involve power five teams, but nonetheless, the American and Sun Belt and you know, Conference USA, those, those leagues are going to start playing some games. And the next week, the ACC is going to kick off uh, its games, and the Big 12 has its non conference slate on September 12th. But as we say that, right before you, not long before you called me, the latest thing I was working on today is. NC State and Virginia Tech, scheduled to be played on September 12th as the ACC kickoff, has already been postponed until September 26th because NC State is one of the teams that had a flare-up of positives, has athletes in quarantine. So we haven't even gotten to the start of the season, and we're already having games postponed. So I think that sort of indicates, A, no, we're not definitely playing yet. And B, it is going to be really hard to do this. And and I, I, you know, I've been, you know, listen, you talk to people all the time and you try to get a sense of what's going on around the country. And I do think, again, like, I I think there's something of a status quo momentum heading towards playing, even as some of these campuses have some problems, um, because I think that there is more and more this idea that, well, what does an open campus mean? you know, the students are here, but we're mostly going to be online. And so the p- football players can do their, their, their thing online and we're not really going to close the dorms. So I think there's this idea that we've sort of built some like pseudo bubble around the football teams, but I, I don't know, the long winded way of saying like, there are still some hurdles here, but I think that the season will start.
0: I'm very torn on the balance between football programs and the general student population. And it does feel like the more you can bubble the football team, the more successful you may be in trying to play a football season. But there's definitely a part of me, and I feel like there were college administrators along the way that have said this, that, you know, if we can't do college, if it's online only or if it's not a normal at all college experience, and like the only people on campus are football players that's not really right either because now we're clearly saying football players are different than other students. Uh, That feels like some hurdles to me that there are enough campuses that are having some issues with positive tests. Alabama had whatever hundreds and hundreds of positive tests as their students returned. Do you think that will be a stumbling block for anybody that I, I think we're still learning the ability or inability of these large universities to have lots of students on campus, if they have to kind of bail on regular students on campus, do they have to bail on football players or do they bubble up the football players and say, here we go, play a football season. And if they do, what does that mean for the future of college football and how we view amateur athletics?
1: Yeah, that's a massive question. So let me, let me take it from a more, uh, the granular part of that is, um, I think that will depend on the comfort level of your local of your university president, maybe your local authorities uh, and your local politicians as far as like, can you bubble up the football team and just plow through if your campus is just going to be, you know, if you basically stripped everything down to the studs on campus and said, no, students go away. Um, Again, I guess it sort of depends on is your campus actually closed? I mean, if you get to the point where you have such a bad outbreak, if, if you're causing, uh, if, you, if your school is the cause of your town, your city, to have such a bad outbreak that you literally have to close your campus, um, yeah, maybe at that point you have to pull the plug on football season too. Uh, but I, I do think it's, it's almost, you know, a few weeks back I had an interview with Mark Emmert Uh, the NCAA president, and he made a comment to me that got a little bit like, you know, that got sort of roasted online because everything he does gets roasted online. And he said, you know, it's not necessarily even conferences that are making, it's not the NCAA that's going to make the call on this or even conferences. It's going to be individual institutions. And to a certain degree, I think that might be where we are going forward here. Uh, I, I, listen, I think the conferences are going to want to stay together, but I do think that like it's going to be the appetite of each individual university president to decide like, is this the way I want my setup to be? And I think some may have a little more, uh, may find it a little more palatable than others to simply have a football team as, as the only real thing going on on your campus, uh, it, it, that you are staging a football season more than you are staging a semester. And I think again, the tolerance level for that will be different from campus to campus. The the broader question of what this means to college athletics, listen, Doug, this is why this is why this has been so damn complicated, right? If we just admit that these are not regular students and this is not a regular extracurricular activity, and if this was more of a relationship that pro teams have with their, even if you don't want to make them strictly employees. But the reason why the pro sports can get their things, their acts together is because the relationship between a pro team and its employed athletes is somewhat of a partnership, right? You agree to things, we agree to things. Okay, we're going to try to get this thing done and make some money. But if only one side is making the money and the one, only one side has a say in what gets done, real say in what gets done, you end up with this where you end up with like this strange dynamic of like, No, no, they're just students and, you know, we'll take care of them. We'll make the decisions that we think are best for them. And you end up with a really, you know, again, these awkward situations where we can't really bubble them, even though that would be the best thing to do. Um, It's made college athletics so much more complicated than it needs to be. (laughs)
0: yeah and it, and I think we saw that coming it's just it's like the thing that college athletics at the NCAA has held on to the hardest of anything is they're just like regular students and and if you give that up i don't know I don't know what the future means. Um, I don't want to go into how the Big Ten got here that much because that's all we've been talking about mm-hmm. at with Ohio State fans in the Big Ten, with our Buckeye talk listeners, with our tech subscribers. so I want to go forward a little bit, and your view on What do you think the possible long-term effects will be on the Big Ten and Ohio State if, for instance, a somewhat normal fall season is played? There are bumps, but they get through it. They have a national championship, and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are on the sideline. Maybe they do something in January and February. Maybe for some reason they don't. But if college football marches forward, you know, at – 75% 75% feeling normal this fall. Will that have any long-term effect, do you think, on the two leagues and the teams in it that sat out?
1: I am somewhat skeptical of long-term effects, especially on the Big Ten. There may be some hard feelings. Maybe it, it is a problem for Kevin Warren's commissionership that it never gets fixed. Um, you know, maybe again, maybe I I don't know this, you know, maybe he ends up having, maybe he ends up having a 20 year tender tenure and ends up being great, but you do wonder if fractured relationships or relationships that never really bloomed, right? It's just a relationship business. He's only been here for six months. Uh, You know, maybe, maybe this decision, even though it wasn't solely his decision causes fractures within the conference that makes it hard for him to get traction. So there's things that sort of within the conference level, within the, the offices at Rosemont, that I do wonder like what the ramifications will be there uh, within relationships of presidents and things along those lines. However, Big Ten's been around for 125 years and is super successful. Yeah. And as soon as they start playing regular football games again and, and everything sort of returns to normal, and, and we will have a return to normal at some point, the big money hose is going to start. Flowing again, and that will make everything better. I think. I I think Ohio's people, great football players, will still want to play at Ohio State. Um, uh, You know, I think all the negative recruiting stuff. I think that tends to be temporary. I think the money hose will flow and. And I think everything will sort of be good again in the Big Ten. Uh, Now, again, I think that within the Big Ten structure, there could be some issues as far as commissionership. But I don't think this is something that's going to set back Ohio State's program, football program, you know, two or three years. I don't think all of a sudden, you know, next year, there's going to be a bunch of decommitments. And in two years, Ohio State is going to be barely struggling to keep up nationally. I, I don't really see that. Uh, I think that's a, this is, that's a more of a temporary problem. Um, Again, what this means for within the big 10 offices, that could be interesting. Yeah, I think I agree
0: with that. The thing that I've said is I could see maybe for a year, the national recruiting that Ohio state does, maybe, maybe the guys they don't have relationships with yet. And they're going into Texas or Georgia or Florida or California and trying to get a national kid. And that kid is, You know, spending his fall watching Clemson and Alabama and Georgia and Oklahoma play, and Ohio State's not playing, and maybe like you know those those relationships that are at the moment built on perception and aren't ingrained. Maybe for a one recruiting cycle, maybe you miss out on a couple kids because it's hard to get their interest. But I don't think if you have relationships, you know, with the current recruits, I don't think you lose them. And then I don't think that goes once you get back on the field, right? If we get back to a normal quote normal fall of 2021 and everybody's playing then i think moving forward everything's pretty normal like right to what you're saying ralph i don't i don't think alabama in recruiting against ohio state would say to a 2023 recruit hey remember that time ohio state didn't play in the fall of 2020 you should come here instead of ohio state because of that right i don't think that's a pitch that would hold water for anybody
1: No, I mean, listen, in these 16, 18 year old kids, man, they they barely, you know, focus on yesterday. I mean, like, you know, 2020 is going to be a a million years ago for that. So no, again, I, I I, I'm skeptical of that, not because I feel like the Big Ten or Ohio State has some magical powers. I just think people have short memories, right? We we just move on to the next disaster or the next big story or the next big controversy very quickly. Even in something as historic as this, I still think that we tend to move on rel- relatively quickly. So I, I don't think that those type of ramifications Uh, will be there I I do I don't again it's going to be a weird situation weird year I definitely understand why Ohio if I'm a Ryan Day I I understand why you don't want any you never want to put your program at any kind of a disadvantage so even if it is a short-term disadvantage you don't want that to ever happen at this level of competition but I also don't think this is a debilitating situation that Ohio State is going to have a hard time coming back from
0: I want to get into a couple specific poll things, but I want to ask this first. We don't know when a January, February Big Ten plan may come out. I think we're all expecting that it will come out soon and that will be what they try to do. What do you think of the idea of whatever the specifics are? It seems like the reporting and the general feel and it's sort of what Ryan Day, you know, suggested the day after the Big Ten canceled you know, maybe like an eight-game season in January and February, maybe if the, Pac-10, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten both do it, you can play a Rose Bowl between the champs, something like that, that feels like, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's at a weird time, but it's a somewhat kind of regular football feel, at least within the conference structure. Where are you on that? Does that sound good to you? Does that sound eh to you? I know, you know, some people have said that might have a JV feel. I, I think certainly it will depend a lot on how many more of the best NFL bound players opt out or stick around. But the idea of January and February football, what do you think?
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm, I think it's such a good idea, especially if you do the dome situations and you, and you sort of have a made for TV aspect. And so you, you play in these, in these Midwest domes, these neutral site games. So you make sure you don't have, listen, we know football in bad weather is a good idea, but as I was talking with somebody in the Big Ten, not every week is it a good idea. Like, it's it's cool as a one-off, but if every week your team is playing in 20 degrees and sleet and snow, that's probably not a good level of football. Uh, so, no, I like the idea. In fact, I like the idea so much that this is where I think the Big Ten... I know we, we you, you don't want to look too far backed up, but let me, let me just interject this. If the Big Ten had put the framework of this idea together and introduced it at the same time that they postponed the season and said, listen, we are not going to do, we are not going to do the thing you want us to do, but here is what we're planning on doing. Look how cool this is. In fact, we are going to do this because we think not only is it the right thing for health and safety and blah, 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 blah. We think it will be better than the fall. We think as the other conferences are struggling to get through a fall season, we will, have a, we will give our athletes a better shot at having a full season in NFL stadiums with good uh, exposure uh, with in time for them, their bodies to to uh, recover for the fall, or for their bodies to recover and be able to be deal de- de- uh, be able to step into a draft situation, they could have sold it. It might not have been true, and it might have been just selling, but they could have sold it as, "Here's what we're going to do, and it's going to be even better than the fall," and that was a massive massive missed opportunity for the Big Ten. Again, even if you don't believe it, you could have sold it as that, and I think it would have tempered a lot of the anger that's out there. And so the
0: the pushback, and again, I've been on in on it from day one, the pushback that I've had from some of our tech subscribers and some of the listeners on Buckeye Talk is they say, well, what's going to be different by January? What, what makes you say, well, we can't play in September and October and November and December, but all of a sudden we can play in January and February? My answers to that are usually two things. One is you just learn – you just – You know, the saliva testing that people are talking about, maybe you just have a couple more advances in fighting the virus nationwide. Maybe we've bent the curve nationwide even more, and that just makes it more doable. But I think part of it is I just found it very striking that the Big Ten stopped it before we got to contact and practice, that it felt like they drew a very hard line. We don't want these guys running into each other and and being right on top of each other all the time because we don't know what's going to happen. So – at the very least, the NFL will have played contact football. The pros, the pros would be the guinea pigs. You would see what it looks like. Can you do it? How do you make, what can we learn from the NFL? And maybe now they also would learn from any college conferences that would also play. I think that maybe is part of it. I think also they thought once they canceled, everybody else would follow. But since they didn't follow, they can learn a little bit from the people who do play without, taking their own risk why do you think from that standpoint if a a fan would say well why why does january and february smart to play but the fall is not smart to play from that standpoint
1: what's the answer well because you go back to what even with the what the schools that are continuing toward playing or the conferences that are continuing toward playing have the line that greg sankey has used uh, the sec commissioner time is an asset the longer we the more we, the more time we have the more we learn the more information we have the more things change the more we can adapt to those changes so again if you're the big 10 what you're saying is and again when they came out it it got covered they said we're postponing the season but because you didn't have an alternative it was very easy for me, people like me to write you canceled the fall season you hope to play in in the spring if you had come out with spring and winter, if you had come out and said, we are postponing the fall, we already have a plan in place for the winter. And the reason why we think it will be better is because we want to buy more time. We have been talking all throughout this thing. We want more time. We want more time. Time is an asset. We have decided we want more time, but we have a plan. uh, We have a good plan in place to see what the time, what happens over that time. And by the way, we, we, we have a night, we have a, we have a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? We, yep. we please wait, but we have something that will be better. And again, you could, I, I don't think that necessarily would have been true, but they could have sold it as this will be better. And that's why, th- so yeah, they absolutely could have basically just come out and said, listen, we have more time and, Everything points towards we, more time, the better. Everything that we have noticed points towards the more time, the better. We are taking more time. I I, I mean, I think that's right. I th- and it's one of those, I'm
0: sure, and you've had more conversations with people than I have, but the PR aspect of this from the Big Ten, and again, I want to move forward again, but like, like just every time you talk it out, it's like, well, listen, here's what you could have said. Here's what you could have done. The decision's the decision, but here's the plan. Here's the presentation. And the fact that they haven't done any of that is just mind-boggling. That We're here. They're taking – everyone is so angry at them, and they just are silent and not, not putting forward a plan. And you just talked out a thing that – you know it's, it's not easy, but it could have been done. And that here we are this far into it, and it hasn't been done, it just blows my mind. Yeah, uh,
1: it, it's true. You know, again, we're, we're right. Don't want to look too much back, but failure of process, I think, is the biggest thing here. And that's why I, I wonder, again, the re- when you talk about long term ramifications, um, how does Kevin Warren recover? How do the pre- you know, they have seven new presidents within that room just what, what happens with the trust, right? You know, so much of this, I think we could have never foreseen this happening in Jim Delaney's Big Ten because I think that there was a lot more trust and, and communication and, a, and, a, and again, a better process. Um, and I think those are the things that are gonna have to be rebuilt within sort of internally within the Big Ten going forward. All right, so I wanna talk about
0: voting. I was a former AP voter. I ha- often make fun of uh, the AP poll, because I think sometimes people don't do a very good job. But it is the best poll out there that isn't the playoff committee. And I think it absolutely has meaning if you interpret it the right way. I think when you talk about it, you always interpret it the right way. And it's about history. It's about history in the moment. And if people always say, why do we have a preseason poll? It's so that in the second week of the season, you can say this game is number four versus number seven. And someone has to have a poll so that you can say that. That's the kind of stuff that matters. It absolutely matters. So I liked how the AP went about the preseason poll that we know for the history books, Ohio State was number two in the preseason poll. And if if you guys would have said, nope, yank them all out, we never would have known. I love that aspect of it. What might the plan be for the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and anybody who's playing a winter or spring season? I think the poll is going to matter even more because there's not going to be a college football playoff, you know, rankings as part of that. How might that work and I know it's a couple months away but how might it work Ralph for the jan- for January and February.
1: Sure and might is the right uh, is the right word to use there because you know there's so much uncertainty about everything in this college football season that we don't want to be tied to making plans. The other reason why we don't want to make plans too far ahead is because listen we're 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 a news organization a the poll is still essentially the basis of a news organization reacting to news right um, the games are played then we rank the then we rank right then we rank them uh, rank the the teams according to how their results are I know we did the preseason poll but still the idea is is still to sort of be reactive uh, with the poll so we don't want to commit to doing something in the spring but we are absolutely open-minded to doing something in the spring. I think it's just a matter of what does it look like, right? I mean, we talked about JV, is it just glorified spring football? Do they play four games and, and then sort of, you know, call it a day just to give the kids a, a little something to, you know, to, to get a little tape NFL tape or, or to, or to get some experience for the underclassmen. Um, if it's not really a representative season, and again, we don't want to be the judge of what a representative season. We we, we want to sort of see it play out and let the, the conferences and the teams sort of be the judge of what a re- representative season is. But if they do, if they do it, I, I absolutely, you know, the AP is absolutely committed to ranking the teams. Uh, the more, the better. It would certainly be better if it's all four of those conferences, not just Pac-12, big Big Ten, but also Mountain West and Mac, because that gives you 50-odd teams. Maybe we wouldn't go top 25. Maybe we would. Maybe we would do 20. Um, I, I think the other thing that the plan right now is, you know, I, I had sort of fiddled with the idea of, oh, what if you just reopen the poll after the fall season, right, and then just, you know, inserted the, the, the spring season within the fall season's poll that's not a great idea really because again then you're then you're looking at you know teams that have played a full season and trying to measure them against teams that have like maybe only played one or two games i do i could see a possibility and this is let's 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 just think way down the road let's just you know why not you know just just fantasies and rainbows and 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 unicorns here everything works great right the the fall season gets played a playoff gets played a winter-spring season gets played. They get in a fair amount of games. Uh, there's a Rose Bowl, Pac-12, Big Ten. We rank those teams. Maybe, maybe at the end of it all, we, we tell the voters, hey, now everybody's played a bunch of games. Everybody's played a season, even though they were two, se- two different seasons. At this point, mash them all together. Now give us a final <sighs> rankings with everybody together. Now, again, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Chills. I'm getting chills. That but if, my, but, I, but I, I, I think we would be open-minded to doing something like that. Again, if you can make an apples-to-apples comparison. The other part of that is, Doug, You know, these teams were not going to be playing each other anyway this year. The only thing that's going to provide any kind of cross-representation um, uh, or, or cross-examination – of the major conferences was is going to possibly be a postseason or a bowl season. Right. Absolutely. You know, the SEC is only playing SEC teams. The ACC is mostly only playing ACC and the big 12 is mostly only playing big 12 other than a couple of, you know, non-conference scrub games. So that was going to be the case anyway. So at at the end of the year or, or in April, you know, everybody's played, eight to 10 games and who knows if they're going to be able to pull off a playoff. Yeah. Maybe we would then combine the two, maybe not. I'm not committing to that, but I think maybe we're, we would be open-minded to sort of saying, here's your fall champion. Here is your winter spring champion and let's mash them together and see what happens.
0: I love it. That was going to be my last question. I could not be more behind that idea and college football is built for this. The, the frustrating part in the modern era of, of college football was that it was subjective and the new generation of fans wanted objectivity. Why can't we have a playoff? Why can't, but there's so much of the history that champions are subjective. And there are so many national programs that claim national titles that aren't real national titles. Ohio state says they have eight. They really only have six. Anybody take some random poll from the sixties or fifties or twenties if there was some collection of people somewhere who voted you number one at some point now all of a sudden in your record book you have a national championship and it's not real right Right. this would be an opportunity this would be the most important ap poll vote in decades but Mm -hmm. to me i think absolutely you have a fall champ as determined by a college football playoff you have a Winter champ, as determined by a final AP poll that is done at the end of that winter season, and then you have a final combined poll. And you know what? If you're if Alabama won the fall championship in the playoff, but Ohio State is voted number one in the final combined AP poll, Alabama's not going to acknowledge that. They're still going to claim their championship. Ohio state can still claim their winner championship. They're all, they claim whatever they want to claim as <laughs> a championship. A yes. So yeah. and you wouldn't be taking anything away from anybody, but then in the end, you'd say, this is our, it's a, it's subjective. It's an opinion based on what actually happened on the field. One final combined poll, And, you know, I think probably it would be very hard for the winter champ to pass the fall champ, even if Ohio State went undefeated and won every game by 30 points. I think that would be hard, but at least they'd have a shot. And I think the AP in that situation would absolutely be performing a service to normalize this crazy year the best way possible. And I don't think anybody else could do it. I think only the AP is equipped to do that. And I don't think there's any harm because the, the winter champ and the fall champ will still claim their titles no matter what. But for the fans, for the history books, for whatever, you got a group of 60, 62 educated people and said one time, one last poll, we smooshed it together. And this is what we thought. I am 1000% behind that idea. I,
1: I've, I've, I've obviously um, uh, I've got you fired up, Doug. And, and I'm, I'm glad for that. But I do. I would word of caution. Again, we don't know what a spring is going to look like. So again, I don't want to make anybody think anybody who's listening to this think that the AP committed to do this. Right. Um, that first of all, those decisions get made above my head, and secondly, again, like I said, it there's is a there's still so much unknown that it's hard. To sort of to commit to anything, but again, that that's what college football is right now in general. Like you can't commit to anything because we can't even get to the ACC couldn't even get to its opening weekend with right. a commit committing to to uh to the number of games being played. They've already had a had a postponement, so everything is tentative right now. But, again, you know, two guys who have done this for a long time talking, uh, I think what we've come up with is a a reasonable idea. And, again, if the big tank can really pull off this fall season – Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense to me, or excuse me, this winter, spring season. I think it makes a lot of sense to me to try to do what, what you're talking about. And I think in the end, to your point, Ralph, there's no point to
0: commit to anything right now, because once it's over, you would have a sense of whether it's worth that or not.
1: And that's the thing. And you, but you also won't be able to make that judgment until you see it. That's the other problem too. A, A lot of what we're doing right now, you can't really make the judgment until it happens again. the the fall season could fall apart too. I mean, you know, it's, I keep going back to that idea that the big 10 could have said that it could have said like, listen, this is going to be so hard to get through the fall. We think we have a much better chance to do it in the spring and uh, in the winter and spring. And maybe it turns out they end up being right. 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 The idea, I think there's
0: an assumption, especially among frustrated Ohio State fans, there's an assumption at the moment that the fall is the legitimate season and the winter will be a somewhat illegitimate season. And I don't think that's set in stone at all. What you just said, what if the fall gets so off track that nobody plays more than five games? And what if in the winter, they learn from the fall to the degree that they play a full eight game schedule, right? I mean, I don't know that I would bet on that, but I don't think that's impossible. So to some degree, we have to let it play out. But I think to to wrap this up, your idea that, boy, if the Big Ten could have just put it out and said listen it 's going to be different, but in its own way it 's going to be legitimate, and here 's why we understand your frustration, but here 's a plan and get excited, boy, we would just be in a different spot right now than where we are with this sort of anger and frustration
1: yeah, yeah, and and it just it 's uh, anger and frustration to lead to a time when there 's a lot of uh, uncertainty, then you throw in the anger and frustration, and it 's just it, it's made covering the sport, you know, that we love so much. And that has always been something that, you know, you adore and has been fun. It makes going to work fun, right? It, it's certainly, you know, for a lot of reasons has taken all the fun out of it. And we're just hoping to sort of get through this season more than we are looking, looking forward to a season. We're just sort of hoping to get through it. Ralph Russo, National College
0: football writer for the Associated Press, fine press, press box companion, great national writer. Anybody who wants to know kind of what is going on on the national scene, make sure you are following Ralph and, and reading his writing. And we so greatly appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us here on Buckeye Talk, Ralph. Thanks, Doug. Anytime. We'll be right back after this. So thanks to Ralph for his time. always appreciate talking to him. A great national perspective. Real quick before we get out of here, I'm recording this late Wednesday night, and I'm just curious about your view on this. The LSU football team this week, according to the advocate in Baton Rouge that covers LSU football, they had so many positive tests or potential exposures on the offensive line that they basically can't practice right now. And they only had, according to the advocate, four offensive linemen who were either, who were available, the rest of all the, the, all the rest of their offensive linemen were either had tested positive for coronavirus or were quarantined because of long-term exposure by being around those guys. And I don't know that anybody's surprised by that, that if you're going to try to play football in this you have to expect this. But I'm curious what you think of that. And if the story today was all but four Ohio State offensive linemen, and listen, you're an offensive line group, you're talking 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 guys. I mean, this is probably double digit offensive linemen who either have coronavirus or are quarantined because they were around people who have it. If that story was Ohio State today, would you be okay with it? And with what we're dealing with now, we know that the many parents of Ohio State football players would want the choice to play left up to them, left up to the families and the players and the parents, and that they would accept certainly some level of risk. But I still, I don't quite have a handle on it. And it makes me want to ask people, and I guess I should be a good reporter and ask them, is do people who want to play, do you believe that the protocols and the the safety protocols within your team and your program are good enough, are so good that you don't think there is a very high risk of your player in your family getting coronavirus, or are you accepting the fact that he might get it and you're okay with that because you believe that statistically this age group, most likely they won't have a severe outcome from it. Even if there's anecdotal evidence that certainly some people do, you think he'll be okay and and you believe that's an acceptable level of risk. And I just don't have a firm handle on if the story today was Ohio State had to pause football practice because all but four offensive linemen were quarantined, what would we think? And it feels like to me that this is not getting a ton of attention this story came out on Wednesday. It it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel, I mean, there's a lot, a lot happened on Wednesday. A lot bigger things in the world and in sports. But I don't know. I, don't, I, I didn't see a gazillion people talking about this. And so I would encourage you to go read theadvocate.com. Find the story on this. It's by Wilson Alexander and Brooks Kubina. Starts off, all but four LSU offensive linemen are in quarantine after they either tested positive for the novel coronavirus or were determined to have high-risk exposure, multiple sources told the advocate on Wednesday. Players who test positive for COVID-19 must isolate for at least 10 days after their positive test, according to SEC conference protocols. Symptoms have to subside for at least 24 hours without medication before those players can return to practice. Individuals with high risk exposure must quarantine for 14 days. Um, that's a severe outbreak, right? And that's a severe situation. And, and when you have a position group like that, there's the idea of if this you were getting ready for a game, you couldn't function because you have to have more than four offensive linemen. You couldn't function. So they have time. They're not playing. The first SEC games aren't until September 26th at the end of September. So they have time. But LSU, according to this advocate story, has been in full pads for two days. And that is the line that the Big Ten did not want to cross and did not allow their teams to cross. And no Big Ten had full padded practice with full contact. And here we are after two days of LSU doing it. They have this situation. So... I'm not – I'm curious. I'm not a 1,000% sure what I think about it. I don't know that I think, okay, this is proof that the Big Ten made the right decision. And again, we're not talking about process because I think everybody agrees that the Big Ten process was flawed. But in the end, did they possibly make the right decision anyway? But I think this is – you've got to throw this in the mix. And so I think I want you guys to think, are you okay with – this many players, amateur players in a position group, either getting it or being exposed to it? And, and is that a, an acceptable risk? And it's not really for us to decide. Uh, we're not in charge of these players' lives. The program is, their conference is, their university is, most of all, their family is, and they are. So I just think it's concerning. Um, I hope everybody's okay down there. I hope every college football player is okay. But I think we at least have to acknowledge when this stuff happens because for the teams that are full speed ahead – for the fall this is what you have to navigate and this isn't nothing this is something that the big 10 right now isn't worrying about because they aren't having full padded practices where this could happen so anyway i just wanted to make sure you guys knew about it we think we'll have a really good interview podcast again on friday with some people directly directly related to ohio state that should be fun we can't guarantee well, i'll talk we're trying to get a couple recruits on together and if we can pull it off, and we, we've we invited them, and that's the plan, but sometimes plans fall apart, I think it'll be a really fun podcast. If we can't do it for the Friday podcast, we'll do it uh, for Down the Line, hopefully. We'll definitely have these guys together at some point. But we appreciate you hanging in. Tech subscribers, if you want to let me know what you think about the LSU positive tests, I'm I'm curious. The best thing our tech subscribers are is a focus group that tells us what smart Ohio State fans are thinking about stuff. So if you want to join that and you want to help me understand what's going on, what people are thinking about it, what smart college football fans are thinking about the situation right now, 614-350-3315. But again, thanks to Ralph Russo from the AP for joining us. Thanks to you guys for listening. Always appreciate your patronage. Tech subscribers love you. Listeners love you. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.